G'day wherever you may be around the world and thank you for your company once again on truthtoyou.org. That's truthnumber2letteryou.org. I'm Jono and joining me all the way from Louisiana is my very good friend and co-host of the Tanakh Tour, author of the Moses Scroll, Ross Nichols. G'day, mate. Hey, Jono. How are you tonight? Very. Uh, always excited to be doing this program with you. Of course, we are working our way through the Moses Scroll. Uh, before we get into it, the text of the Moses Scroll, and before we get into it, you just released a uh, an article. Well, it's a bit larger than an article. What exactly is this you released on Academia? Yeah, I'm excited about this, Jono, because this is a translation, an English translation of a work that previously was only available in German. It It is the mm. report, basically, of Hermann Goethe, who was the German scholar who the first week of July in 1883 examined with the assistance of a friend, another scholar by the name of Edward Meyer, the two of these guys, looked at the scroll, the fragments that we're going through now, in the hotel room in Leipzig, in Shapira's hotel room at the Hotel Hoffa. All right, stop, and, stop yep, there. Yep. Now, before you continue, <laughs> before you continue, because it just popped into my head, yep. you revealed something to me about that hotel that you didn't know before, only a few days ago. Did oh, the, you're going to let me tell them that cool piece? Didn't <laughs> yeah, I, want, I want you to tell them because it was just so funny. Come on, tell us about it. Uh, okay. There's a hotel, right. a hotel so, in Leipzig. Yep. This is the, no, just, just, just to tell everyone, this is the, as you just said, this is the first time that the scroll of the Torah of Moses has traveled outside Israel. Yes. It's it's outside Israel, as far as we know, with uh, uh, Moses Shapira takes it to Germany, to Leipzig, to show his mates, yep. people that he knows, that he's he's worked with Gutter before, yep. and, uh, and, and he wants them to look at it because he's already said, Oh my goodness! My eyes. I, I wish. I wish my eyes were better. But I'm, it's so hard. I am struggling to see what this says, and I'm working with the text, and I've probably got uh, you know headaches and this. That I need someone who has better eyes and who's better equipped to really have a look. Will you please take a look at this for me? Right. So they meet at a um, at a hotel. Where is this hotel? Okay, you're not going to believe. Well, you know this, but the the listeners are about for this has got to be a treat for everyone. Maybe not as much as for me. So I'm looking at this. I don't read German, right? So I have to do everything through uh, Google Translate or DeepL, and I'm doing this all the time now because I'm working mm. on my next book. And so I want to find out where is the Hotel Hoffa because I have to tell the story. And they go here and they get to the hotel. It is, mm. now I'm giving you the English. It is at the corner, Jonah, of Ross Street and Ross Place. Now, what are the chances? What are the chances? And, Did and a beam I, I, of light just break through the sky, through the clouds, down upon your face when you saw that? Ta-da! Yes, I was so excited. <laughs> the chorus of angels. And, and, and it was just like a, an aura shined into the room, and I said, it is my destiny to work through this, because can you imagine Shapira says, Guta, you have to come to my hotel room. He's like, yeah, well, where are you staying, mate? He said, well, I'm staying at the the hotel in Leipzig, the Hotel Hoffa. And he's like, yeah, where is that? It's at the corner of Ross Street and Ross Place. So these guys are calling <laughs> it's, my it's name. It's opposite Ross Plaza. There's a plaza there on the corner called Ross Plaza. It's all about Ross. I'm telling you, it's, it's this all about Ross. This thing has my name on it, written in the stars from no, more than you. a century so, ago. So not only that, but something else that I thought was really cool. If you follow Ross Place 
to the south, yep. it eventually crosses with Brit Street. Yep. And and Brit, of course, is Hebrew for covenant. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're looking at the covenant scroll at Ross yeah. at the corner of Ross and Ross. So anyway, so, so after good. one week, they they begin June the 30th, Shapira shows up. He goes to get Guta. I'm giving the quick version. Don't worry. Mm. And Guta goes back to his hotel room with him uh, that afternoon and looks at the scroll, and Shapira tells him about it. He goes to get his friend, Edward Meyer, and for one week, about seven to eight hours a day, all of these guys meet at the Hotel Hoffa. They examine the scroll, put it through a very careful scrutiny, and uh, Guta published this work in German, and I won't try to uh, pronounce the German because I'm sure that I wouldn't do it exactly and precisely as I should, uh, but uh, I knew when I was researching for the Moses Scroll that I had to have an English translation of this. So Dave and Patty mm. Tyler hired through their company a brilliant young German scholar by the name of Mitchell Gold. And mm. he and I worked together for a little over a month and produced a 49-page transcript or, or a translation of this work. He did the German to English. I put the Hebrew text in, uh, the text of the scroll and all the uh, grammatical points and so forth. Mm. And we decided last week in uh, to commemorate the 138th anniversary Let's release this on academia.edu as sort of a gift, an advanced copy for scholars. And and mm. a couple of quick reasons why I did that. Number one, I didn't want people to go out and buy this. Let's say I publish it on Amazon and they think, oh, this is another book by Ross. I want to go get it. And they spend a little bit of money and they realize uh, that it is a very heavy academic work and they feel like they've been ripped off. So I I know that may sound a little bit funny, but you get my point. I wanted people, if look, if you're into this, you want to look at an academic uh, report on the Shapira manuscript, then go get this document. And we'll put the link in this, uh, this mm. episode, and that way they can go get it. It's on my academia page. So so that's that's now out there, and I want to say one more thing about that. The official published report presents things according to the way that they had to do it to go public. Now, behind the scenes, Jono, is a mm. whole different story. And there is, what, is a behind-the-scenes story, oh, which is what man. you're writing about. This is the uh, – so the behind-the-scenes story of the of the uh, the meeting in the, of the week in Leipzig. Yep. Um, you're hoping to have that out by September? Well, you know, I, I said that originally, but I told Tabor today, James and I are working together as, as usual, and Dave Tyler was just in Berlin. And so between us and Edan Dershowitz, who many of our listeners know is the scholar from Harvard – we're working together also with Matthew Hamilton in Australia, mm, Australia. and we are, uh, mainly James and I are working on these letters. As I said, Dave got us some nice photos from uh, the Berlin Staatsbibliothek, the, uh, the main nice. state library. So Good what I'm day. saying is that it's going to be longer, but I hope that uh, at least by the end of the year, that's reasonable. I think by December this will be out. Maybe sooner. It just depends. But this no, story, okay. I, let me just say, this story is unbelievable what we've discovered. And so uh, we'll we'll tell a little bit more about that in another episode. So 
I'm ready. Yeah, but it is, there's, there's some exciting stuff. Now, before we get off Leipzig, I just wanted to say that when they when they did meet in the in the hotel room, we've mentioned this before, the weather was against them. It wasn't as if, you know, like when you saw that it was, the hotel was on the corner of Ross Street and Ross Place and the, the heavens opened up and the beams shone down upon your face. Yeah. And, so yep. on and so they didn't have that. Uh, in fact, it was cloudy. There was kind of a storm happening. It was raining, and they didn't get the quality of sunlight that they wanted to really scrutinize the uh, the text, and it made it uh, difficult for them, as it was difficult for uh, Shapira. And it's important to note that because there are some places in the scroll that are harder to decipher than others. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we're going to talk a little bit about that now because this isn't the first time that someone has looked. At, well, it's not so much looked at the text. In 78, uh, Shapira did make a transcription. Right. And he did send it to Schlotman. And it was uh, not entirely accurate, but he was doing the best that he could. Right. Uh, right. You know, some places are just difficult to read. And we're going to talk about, uh, as you alluded to last time we spoke, uh, one such place that uh, threw people off a little bit. Can we can we jump into that now? We certainly can. And I only want to preface tonight's uh, discussion with one thing, and that is if you look at fragment A uh, and you run the gamut, you work through verse after verse in the Moses scroll in fragment A, what you'll find is that it's fairly consistent and it seems to come from uh, or it seems to be more closely aligned with what we find in Deuteronomy 1, right? I mean, there are mm-hmm. things that are in the Moses scroll that don't read exactly like we find in Deuteronomy 1 and Deuteronomy 1 contains much more than fragment A does. There mm-hmm. are other things in it. But I just wanted to make that point that it, it, it at least it follows to some degree chronologically. Like I'm looking at my notes and I have compared Deuteronomy 1 1, 1 6, 1 7. Then it jumps to 19, then 20, then 21. And mm-hmm. all right, now there's one passage which you mentioned that, that we left our listeners hanging with, and that is this. In my book, I published this translation. Um, in hatred of us, and then there's a gap in the text. It was difficult to read. To exterminate us, another little gap, and then it says, and Elohim was angered. Elohim was angered. Now, I have a Mm -hmm. footnote in my book that reveals something that shook the world at the time. In 1883, when Ginsburg published his translation and transcription of the text, he gave a different reading there. Instead of, and he angered, which we would expect to find, uh, perhaps a vav, a yud, a kof, a tzadi, and a pei. That's vaik sof. And, and that, that's one word that's used in the Pentateuch for, and, and he was angered. Now, the reason that they're, they're trying to find a word that has, Five Hebrew letters, because what they could make out, Jono, and this is everyone who looked at it in 1883, they can make out a vav and a yud, right? And they mm-hmm. can make out um, a final pay. Uh, well, it wasn't a final pay. There's no differentiation in Paleo-Hebrew. Mm-hmm. So you have a vav and a yud at the beginning and a pay at the end. So what they're doing, and people do this with the Dead Sea Scrolls, if if our listeners go and get a book of the Dead Sea Scrolls and they look at the Hebrew text, they'll see brackets where 
the transcriber is trying to supply what they suppose is in a difficult, could be a rat, an, a hole that a rat is eaten or something, or mm, age is sure. taken away. So, but they're not certain. So Shapira says, you know, I can't really make it out, but he has, and I'm giving the Hebrew letters because we have an advanced audience here, Avav mm. Yud Nun Aleph Pei. Now, the root word there is the word for adultery. Now, this is problematic because it literally would mean, uh, and, and Elohim committed adultery. Mm. Now, the way I treated this at first, when I was writing the book, I thought, oh, I don't like that. But, but did the scroll really say that? And so I began to look at it. Shapira, we now, because of Idan Dershowitz's work, Shapira has, a, a, he found a transcription of Shapira's where he's trying to figure this out. So he's not certain. Guta, who wrote fragments of a leather manuscript that I just published on Academia, mm-hmm. he doesn't see any... He can't make out that entire line. Mm-hmm. The entire line is not uh, discernible to Guta. So here we've got in the British Museum and all the great lighting that they had, evidently Ginsberg and Shapira are struggling. So... The transcription of both of them initially was, and they're guessing on the middle three letters, or the middle two letters, Vav, Yud, Nun, Aleph, Pei, and of course the world press picks that up and they go, can you believe this scroll says and God committed adultery? Mm. Well, later, this is the point I want to get to because I think it's the actual reading in this scroll and it's attested, as we'll talk about, in the Hebrew Bible, Shapira looks and he goes, you know what? Now, remember, Jono, the scroll is written uh, continuous script, meaning there's no gap between the letters, right? right? So like you open up a Hebrew Bible today, you'll see a a space and then the next word and then a space. Not so in this paleo document before them. So what he begins to look at is the center of this word. He said, I think I know what it is. This is Shapira. He says, Mm. I think that there were two letters, yet a vav, yud, a chet, resh, aleph, and peh. Now, what does that say? This is what I want to start with tonight. That Mm. actually is a phrase that is well known. It fits the context and I think he's right. In fact, he, Don Dershowitz, in his critical edition of the Moses Scroll, which he calls the valediction of Moses, by the way, mm, mm. he says he goes with Shapira's revised reading here. So it's actually two words, Vav Yud Het Resh, Vayichar, and uh, it, it burned, God's anger burned. Vayichar, mm. off. Now, if we can... Let's look at a couple of the verses here in the Pentateuch, which use that phrase. And you told me, we didn't even talk about this really, and you told me you were looking at this this week as well, weren't you? Yeah, just well, just uh, yesterday or the day before. Uh, it is an interesting thing because I noted, I, I think, that this is the first place in the scroll where we see uh, Elohim displaying emotion. Elohim was angered. Right, and right. If we look in Deuteronomy, I mean, uh, there's a lot of places throughout the the Torah, and you're about to give that to us, but particularly Deuteronomy chapter 9 really pours it on. Uh, Chapter 9, verses 7 to 8, uh, verses 18 to 20, verse 20, verse 25, 
really talks about, uh, if I remember correctly, the the anger of Elohim. I think uh, in Deuteronomy there, Moses is recounting, saying, oh, you did this and you did that and you made a man and don't do this because it'll be, he really lays it on thick. But um, this is the first place that we see it in the Moses scroll. And I think it first pops up, if I remember correctly, in Exodus, Ross. It does. And, and that's what I wanted to talk about, because what we see, this phrase, Vayichar uh, Af, uh, is mentioned in one form or another 39 times in the Hebrew Bible. And it doesn't just it doesn't just apply to God. But the first time it occurs is in Exodus 4. And and what I'm doing here, Jonah, is I only want to look contextually at this idea of God's anger burning. Because mm. I think that these guys, I think Shapira is right about this. So Exodus 4.14, of course, the divine name is used here, and it's not in mm. uh, the Moses scroll, but it begins in Exodus 4.14. Vayichar of Adonai, uh, and Yehovah, his anger burned, or the English typically will say, the Lord became angry with Moses, okay? Mm. And then it doesn't occur anywhere else in Exodus in this exact form. Now, it does occur in other ways, and like it, where it says, uh, God might say, and my anger burned. But this is a reference, like Moses is making a reference in the Moses scroll uh, that, we, that we're looking at here. Now, look at Numbers 11.10. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just go through these quickly. Uh, but in Numbers 11.10, Moses heard the people weeping, every clan apart, each person at the entrance of the tent. It says in the English, JPS, uh, the Lord was very angry. Vayichar af Adonai. And then uh, mm. chapter 12, verse 9. Now notice all of these are primarily in the book of Numbers. Numbers 12.9. Still incensed with them, the Lord departed. So it's again mm. the anger of the Lord. Uh, Numbers twenty two twenty two, same thing. God was incensed is the translation. Here we've got a very an exact thing that we see in the Moses scroll. Vayichar af Elohim, which is what we find there. Uh, two more, I think. Three more. Numbers twenty five three. Again, mm-hmm. it's uh with the tetragrammaton Yod Hey Vav Hey Vayichar af. Numbers thirty two ten. Same thing, God's anger burns, 32.13, God's anger burns, it's a tetragrammaton. And then we have one passage in Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 26, mm-hmm. uh, where God is, is angry at the people. So I want to suggest to our listeners that Shapira was right, that Edan Dershowitz, Harvard professor who's also made a crack at this, we're going with this reading as opposed to the speculation, you know, because they're just trying to figure out what are the missing letters. And it doesn't mm. make sense. It's not just that I'm trying to make something work for the scroll's benefit. It's just unattested. We don't have any episode where this would even be close. Now, the mm. other thing that I want to draw attention to, Jono, as we work through this tonight is the idea that, as I mentioned when we opened, the scroll fragment A begins almost, you know, you can imagine this is why they considered it a version of some form of Deuteronomy, 
because it looks so similar to Deuteronomy chapter 1 in fragment A. But as you get to this part, things rapidly change. Here we've got a phrase that's known primarily from the book of Numbers or Bamidbar and mm-hmm. once, once in Exodus. Now what we're going to see as we work through Jono is that the scroll does not follow what one would expect if someone were to try to make a, as some accused this, uh, of being a vest pocket Deuteronomy. Right. Right, because if you're going to, if I'm going to say that God is angry, and I want this to be Deuteronomy, I would use Vav, Yud, Kof, Tzadi, Pei. That's the mm. phrase that we find in Deuteronomy 134. I mean, it, you know what I'm saying? So if I'm following mm. Deuteronomy 1, and I'm a forger, why would I leave Deuteronomy and go all the way to a phrase that is only attested once in Deuteronomy, and that's in chapter 29. just doesn't make sense. Mm. So Mm. that reading there, uh, I'm glad that we went with the translation that we did, because in essence, my translation, by the way, we could tell them we're working on an an expanded, uh, revised edition, by the way, uh, mm. But I, I think that we're right in saying that this means that their claim is God intends to destroy us, and God was angry, and then he swears, saying, as I live, surely all the people. Now, one other point, Jono, and jump in anytime you want, but this throws us from Deuteronomy 1 to Numbers chapter 14. Mm. So just just before you continue this, just in case there are people that have just tuned in uh, and in case they don't have your book to follow along with, uh, you can certainly order that by going to themosesscroll.com, themosesscroll.com. You can order it there. Um, Not just a a hard copy, a, a, a paperback, you can order it on Kindle and have it right now. So if you want to get it right now, if you don't have it in front of you, just pause this podcast uh, and go and order the Kindle. You can have it right in front of you as we're working along with it. Now, we're in B yep. now, fragment B. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it says, As I live, surely all the people who have seen my signs and wonders that I did these ten times, since they have not listened to my voice, they will not see the good land that I swore to give their fathers. And uh, and we, we touched on this last week, but you want to just revisit a couple of these, Roscoe. Yeah, I do. Uh, one thing just to make mention of, and I think you did bring this up, but there's something about this in, in uh, Hebrew where it says 10 times. The phrase, as mm. it appears in the Moses scroll, these 10 times, only occurs in the Pentateuch in Numbers chapter 14. So again, yep. here we are. We're talking about God swearing as I live. These people, you know, they've made me angry. And he talks about these 10 times. That only occurs in Numbers 14.22. Now, Mm. the next thing that I wanted to bring up um, was when you get into the next phrase, they will not see the good land that I swore to give their fathers. This is almost an exact... um, match to Numbers chapter 14, verse 23, Mm -hmm. except one thing. In Numbers 14, 23, can you read that for us? Let me start in 22. None of the men who have seen my presence and the signs that I have performed in Egypt, in the wilderness, and who have tried me these many times 
and have disobeyed me shall see the land that I promised on oath to their fathers. None of those who spurn me shall see it. Okay. Now, the thing that I find interesting here is where it matches, where it doesn't match. Now, the first Mm. thing we'll bring up, and we touched it, the the phrase signs and wonders, uh, it's ot and mufti. The, mm. This this particular phrase is not uh, that common in the Hebrew Bible. In fact, no. it only occurs three times in that configuration, and only one of those times is from the Pentateuch, and that's in Exodus chapter 7. So again, we have to ask ourselves, where, you know, is a forger, first of all, able to put together a flowing narrative which makes sense and pulls from all of these different texts in different books in different places, and it still makes sense. I mean, this is what this is what really began to make me think. Wait a minute, this is very interesting. So Exodus seven three is the only phrase that uses a match for what we find signs and wonders, uh, which appears here in the Moses scroll. Then let me let yeah. me let me just make sure I understand what you're saying. Um, signs and wonders. Yep. You're saying you're saying appears in uh, only in Exodus, or what? What are you only because only, I, I'm yeah only in and I'm talking about the Hebrew. Uh, if ah. if you look at because I'm matching Hebrew for Hebrew, I want to know uh, what right. It so says. this is I just wanted to make sure that this is what you're saying because um, in the English, of course, you've got uh, it's it's peppered all through Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy four. Yeah. Um, 34, uh-huh. 6, 22, 7, 19, 26, 8, and 29, 3, and 34, 11. Okay. Um, but as far as the, the exact Hebrew is concerned, uh, yeah. you're, you're saying Exodus. Keep going. Yeah, it says, Ototei uh, ve'et uh, mofti. Now, this particular moftai, this, this signs and wonders in the same sentence like that, or if you're going to translate it like mm-hmm. that. Now, what I'm going to do quickly, uh, that's Exodus 7.3. I'm just going to do a search for signs and wonders, add the Hebrew here in my handy little um, thing here, and double check mm. myself. Um, it, yeah, it, it is the root word is there in Deuteronomy 6. Um, you have Deuteronomy 6.22, says otot uh, umoftim signs and wonders i guess and then but i'm looking for that exact phrase in the hebrew mm. which only mm. occurs in exodus 7 3 in the Pentateuch. Okay. now it does yeah. occur in two psalms in psalm 78 43 and psalm 105 27 so it shows huh. up but it's just not there now you do have other passages which i won't go through like if you do a search for the word signs Yep, you find that in a few places. Exodus, Numbers, mm-hmm. Deuteronomy. If you look just for wonders, you can find that in the English. But that phrase, as it stands, only occurs there. Now, one other point, what you just read, they will not see the good land that I swore to give their fathers. That phrase is almost exact um, mm-hmm. as it appears in the Moses scroll compared to Numbers fourteen twenty three. But one thing is different. In the Moses scroll, it says Haaretz Hatova, the land, the good land. Whereas mm. in Numbers fourteen twenty three, and I'm just pointing out differences. Like 
If mm. I'm a forger, Jono, why would I not give, you know, if I'm going to jump around. Why wouldn't you follow it exactly? Yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't jump around. I would just say, oh, mm. look, I found a scroll and it's, uh, here it is. It's shorter, but I wouldn't make all these variations, you know. Mm. Uh, but in this mm. case, that phrase, it's interesting. Now, I was curious. I wanted to know how often do we find the phrase, which I swore to their fathers to give them? I mean, right. you know, I mean, that's a, yeah. when I, if you would have asked me this off the top of my head, I'd say, oh, it's all through there. And it is, but it's not in this exact format. So I want to know mm. what matches in our Bible the closest. And I'm yeah, gonna, sure. I'm going to quickly go through these. So here's here's what I found. Um, yeah. Which I swore to give swore to their fathers. Numbers fourteen twenty three does not say to give them. Eh, minor mm-hmm. difference, but it's it's different. See, uh, now mm-hmm. Deuteronomy ten eleven says which I swore to their fathers to give them. Different word mm-hmm. order, basically the same phrase. That exact phrase that I just quoted is found in Joshua one six. Really? Yeah. And I thought, well, that's, interesting. Yeah, and, okay. and again, we're noting these things because this was this is all going to be in our new study edition. We're going to mm. have to compare this with this. Uh, very quickly, though, I'll just run through these. Uh, in three places in the Pentateuch, it says, He swore to your fathers to give to you, singular. Uh, and then in two places in Deuteronomy, it says, Yehovah swore to your plural fathers to give to them. Uh, then in Deuteronomy 26, your fa- Yehovah swore to your fathers to give to us. So the phrase is used in various places in different formats, but it's still, mm-hmm. we only find a match close in Deuteronomy um, chapter 10, verse 11, and mm-hmm. then in Numbers chapter 14, 23. So which one is it now i would argue that the reading found in the moses scroll is the formative uh, the formative the first and then okay. the others are uh pulling from the same literary tradition perhaps mm. okay yeah of course yeah now by the way the good land is a phrase that haaretz hatova is only found in Deuteronomy. And it's everywhere. And it's everywhere. Um, yeah. It's yeah, I've got it in front of me. 125, 135, 325, 421, 422, yep. uh 618, 87, 810, 69, 11, 17. It's just it's all over the place. Now, interestingly enough, in Numbers 1427, it has a different order. It says Tova Ha'aretz. But what we were looking oh, okay. for to match the Moses scroll, it's Ha'aretz Hatova. Mm. Now, I know that this can be a little bit burdensome. I mean, we're throwing things out and look here, look there. But I think it's important to look at where does our scroll line up, uh, not only chronologically, yeah. but but uh, by the, the word usage. And, and what we're finding, predominantly, it tends to follow Deuteronomy. But at times, you have passages from the book of Numbers. Now, one point to bring up, because we've had some of our listeners uh, talk about the documentary hypothesis. What I find interesting about this, and Guta and Meyer did as well in 1883, Mm. is that this in some ways, if this were original, if this is authentic and ancient, 
What it does is it stands this documentary hypothesis on its head in some ways. Mm. Mm. So you can't say, well, the writer of D, as popular scholarship would like to refer to Deuteronomy in a broad sense, uses different wording and and, uh, employs different language than, say, the priestly material in P or E or J. What Mm. this scroll contains is witnesses to language that is available to us in many of these sources, right? Mm. So I find Mm. that interesting. You're going to see if people started reading in Deuteronomy 136, 38, 39, 40, they're going to find that that covers where it says all the way down through, but you turn for yourselves and set out toward the wilderness in the direction of the Sea of Reeds. Now, mm-hmm. this is this is interesting, Jonah, because now if we're looking for a close uh, comparison in the text, we would have to jump all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14, where it mentions until the entire generation of the men, so forth and so on, die off, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what I, I mentioned this to you earlier, it really stood out to me. The phrase, until uh, the completion of all that generation, that phrase as we find it in the Moses scroll is precisely the same phrase we find in two texts in the Pentateuch. Numbers 32.13, until the end of all that generation, and mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 2.14, both of those places. Right Now, you tell me what you think if you want to weigh into this. But in both of those places, the predominant thought that we have is it's talking about the end of the generation of the Anshe Hamilkamah, the men of war, right? Right. The, the Moses scroll doesn't have that, does it, Jonah? Doesn't. It doesn't mention that. And uh, and you and I have only just picked this up. It's interesting. Some translations say, um, I mean, in, in the Moses scroll, it refers to them as the men of the rebellion. Yeah. Uh, in various translations, it will refer to them as the warriors or men of war or fighting men. Ross. Yeah. yeah, I think that that's interesting. And you and I are, I mean, we're going through this very carefully now, and we just really saw this stood out to us just uh, in the last little bit. So, but it is consistent so far what we have is, remember in, in our scroll, we talked about this last time, but uh, there's no story of the spies and they brought back a bad report, uh, mm-hmm. but there were some re- there was some rebellion going on and it was because mm-hmm. they wouldn't go up and possess the land. So this group in the Moses scroll is simply referred to as the men of the rebellion. And I like mm. that. They're rebelling against what? the mouth of Jehovah, what God has commanded. And Mm. and so we see a couple of other differences here. Uh, For instance, you dwelled at Kadesh Barnea, the Moses scroll says. Uh, The canonical text says, and you dwelled in Kadesh. Now, if you look Mm. at any Bible commentary, people become confused and they go, well, wait a minute. There are there two Kadeshes? Is there a Kadesh and then there's a Kadesh Barnea? Or do all of the references point to one? And and so far, what we know of from the Moses scroll is a Kadesh Barnea. Uh, it's mentioned earlier in uh, fragment A, and it's mentioned here uh, as we get into B, Kadesh Barnea. Mm-hmm. 
Now, what's interesting mm-hmm. about Kadesh Barnea is uh, scholarship, archaeology, has basically determined, with I think a fair degree of certainty, the location of Kadesh Barnea, so we can sure. kind of begin to track things. Um, now, uh, this brings us to a point, Jono, where we're going to begin a trek that is interesting because of a few reasons. One, I'm going to make a claim that the con- the canonical text doesn't seem to follow what we would expect on the ground geographically. Mm. If, if you were to follow Deuteronomy and you look at a map and you go, now wait a minute... They're here, then they go here, then they go here, and so forth. It would seem to be a little bit of a back and forth and not necessarily follow the lay of the land. Mm. One of the things that they noticed in 1883, of course, they still considered it a forgery, but they said there's one thing that stands out, and that is that the geography is not confused as it is in Deuteronomy. So mm. we have to think about this over the next few days until we come back, I think, where we say, is the order, does it make more sense here in this scroll, purportedly an ancient scroll discovered in a cave uh, that was perhaps 2,000 or more years old, or does it make more sense in Deuteronomy? And that's mm-hmm. what I think we ought to look at. That's what we're going to talk about next time we get together. We're going to be talking about um, the ge- geography. We're going to be talking about the travel route that they took and uh, and the people that were occupying the lands in the surrounds, the uh, Edomites, the Moabites. Who are the Zamzumim? The, Amor- the Amorites, the Raphaim, the Zamzumim, and the Emim. Uh, wow. What do they have to do with the Nephilim, by the way, Ross? And, and why aren't the Anakites even mentioned in the Moses scroll? We talked about that briefly last week. We're going to get into the detail of all of that next time we get together. So in the meantime, dear listeners, have a great one. Have a beautiful one.